Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters Podcast from GP Strategies. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts, exploring best practices and innovative insights to help you and your organization improve performance. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My guest today is Matt Donovan, GP's Chief Learning and Innovation Officer. Matt, it's great to have you back on the show. Yeah, glad to be here with you again. So our topic today is rethinking how we approach learning and development. Pretty, pretty broad topic, but I think we can cover it in the next 15 or 20 minutes, don't you? Yeah, we only need 20 minutes to cover all of that. Yeah, no, no, no problem. But, you know, it's an important topic, of course, because over the past few years, we've really seen so much disruption in so many ways in all of our lives, in the workplace, right, especially. And we're really facing what we might call like an inflection point in the world of learning and development. So so let's start right there. When you look out at that L&D landscape, what do you see? What kind of inflection point are we in fact facing? Yeah, I, th- I think there's a couple of uh, different dimensions to that. But I, I think the first one is that the past two years has really shown us that we can, if we need to, actually be able to deliver experiences at scale you know, in, in more of a virtual strategy, almost in a survive mentality. We've shown that we've been able to do this. This is something historically at L&D to say, I don't know if you can deliver all these types of programs at a distance, but without any other alternative, we can actually roll it out. And, and I think it now as we transition from survive to that kind of thrive strategy, I think that's really where that we're coming to that inflection point of saying, okay, how do we really do this well from a sustainable standpoint? Because I don't think that we're going to go back to the way it was before. It's not going to go back to where we're housing and bringing a lot of people in these huge cube farms and we're going to have all this face-to-face training that we used to do. It's going to change. It's going to evolve. And we need to think differently about how we deliver and enable and support really that workforce at a distance. Um, you know, when I was kind of reflecting, I was trying to think back and say, you know, were there were there other industries that have kind of faced something like this? And so, you know, I think, you know, interestingly enough, I think the supply chain and logistics industry is a good example of what they probably went through about 25 years ago, 20 years, I'm losing track of time these days. But when you think about um, at a point, uh, supply chain and logistics was was a lot more about the location of your warehouses, the price of gas, uh, union relationships. You know, it was about you know the distance, and it really was a cost containment strategy. Really, it was what it was. And then then all of a sudden, you saw Walmart and Amazon start to really think differently about how they had tackled the supply chain and logistics. I mean, even everything from negotiating with its vendors and the way in which they interact with it and the infusion and the expectation around using data to drive better informed decisions around logistics and enablement. And so you started to see the difference between a Walmart and an Amazon versus a Kmart and a Sears and how they started to solve the problems around supply chain and logistics. Now, supply chain and logistics as as a domain, as an area of expertise has been around for many, many years. What has changed at that point is you had people who used to practice with old mindsets and old approaches being brought in and compared against people bringing new ideas and new skill sets to the table. Data analytics, the infusion of real-time data all the way through to drive decisioning into this. These are new skill sets, new ways of thinking about things, and it has made all the difference over the years. And, and it wasn't just a one-time leap or a shift, but it actually, the integration and in those relationships has really kind of continued to evolve and change 
supply chain and logistics over time. And I think in a very similar way, learning and development is going to continue to be out there. It's always going to be important. We're always going to have humans in the workforce and the humans are going to have to be able to learn new skill sets for every disruption we see. So L&D is not going away, but I think we need to think differently about how we actually are solving those problems. And, you know, uh, the question for us is, are we going to take the path of a Kmart and a Sears? Or are we going to actually take the path of a Walmart and Amazon in the way in which we're bringing new ways of thinking about solving some of the challenges we have? We've now proven that we can do it differently. But the thing is, how do we do it differently really well? And I think mm-hmm. it brings up, you know, a concept of, of intentionality and in, in how we think about this. Okay, so so hopefully we'll see folks taking the path of Amazon and Walmart, because <laughs> if they take the other path, then they will disappear, right? Like yeah. Kmart and, and Sears, unfortunately. So, so well, let's talk about intentionality more, especially as it relates to the hybrid workforce. We've been talking about that a lot on this podcast. Everybody's been talking about that. It's all over the news, right? As more and more and more people have gone now working remotely. So, how does that concept, the hybrid workforce, how does that play into this inflection point and what does it have to do with intentionality? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the, the robust conversations we've had is said, you know, hey, is the hybrid workforce, is the hybrid environment, is it something that's really different? Or we've been doing virtual for years. Is this really that different? And I think I get back to that word again, it's around intentionality. And the difference is that the way the virtual was set up, the legacy around was that it was always an accommodation for the worker. Yeah, we will allow you to not work in the office, you'll work out of your home, but you pretty much, it's up to you to figure out a way to kind of be successful, be productive in the workforce, but it was on the individual employee. When we think about now, it's really organizations are looking at it at scale, knowing that we're probably not gonna go back to the way it was before with all these large facilities and bring everybody in. How will they actually be able to do this and create productivity and productive environments at a distance where everybody's not working at the same place, the same time, in the same manner? How do we actually manage that? And I think that that reflects in how we were going to wrap around the systems that enable and support those workers. When you think about you know, the hybrid workforce, it's not just the work that's changing, but it's, it's also the workers when, where, and how, but also the environments that they're working in as well. So all three of those elements of the equation, the work, the worker, and the work environment are all changing. That's where we have to bring intentionality in our strategy to say we're going to have to meet them differently. So versus historically, it's on the worker to figure out how to do it and make it be successful. This is about enabling a strategic view of the organization to say we think we can be productive at a distance. We can grow and respond to the next disruption that's coming down the stream mm-hmm. to be able to deal with that. And that's going to take new skill sets, as you say, new ways of thinking. And L&D is going to have to play an important role there, which I think brings up another interesting topic of upskilling that we've talked on this podcast about upskilling the workforce, meaning employees generally. But what about what about upskilling the L&D workforce, the, the, the people who need to help other people get upskilled? I don't think that gets talked about quite as much. Yeah, and, and I think that that's got to be something as we look into 2022 and beyond is that we need to take time to upskill our L&D teams. 
and I get it. I mean, for the longest time, it's like we don't have time to upskill ourselves because we're so focused on meeting the needs of everybody else. So, you know, this is actually we just did some recent research and saying what are the new skill sets we're seeing? And what we're seeing is that most folks are acknowledging that it's less about, you know, the core instructional design skills and more about, you know, beefing up the ways in which you're interacting with enabling the business. So you think about things like commercial acumen and business acumen. So commercial acumen is really saying inside the L&D, how well do you know the competitive external competitive environment? Do you know how we go to market, how we succeed, how we win? So that when a disruption comes through, if you understand that commercial side, you'll understand how that disruption is affecting that and then how that affects the internal, the business acumen side to make strategic business decisions. And then with that, it cascades down to how do we then enable the workforce to actually address both the business and commercial. If you have those balance, you'll be able to better respond to the overall changes that we're going to continue to see. So those are two of them. I think, you know, spending time to make sure that we're upskilling on data analytics. We need to understand, we need to be able to better utilize data to give us more insights, not just learning data, but it's tying it into business data, collecting the right data to help us not only prove that our systems are working, but improve them, because that's really the most important place is that you're going to get a fluid real-time viewpoint of how effective we are. There's a baseline of understanding data analytics, how well to do that and to do it securely and safely and ethically. All of that has to be upskilled. But instead of saying, we'll leave it up to other folks to kind of collect that data L&D needs a seat at the table. I think another dimension, you know, there are two more probably within that. One of them is really understanding, I would say, the cloud-based system of, of platforms because we need to be able to sit down at an equal footing with our IT partnerships, our HR partners, as we bring new technologies to bear to say this is what we need out of these tools to be able to affect, enable, and support rather than potentially relegating that to an IT department or, or a distant HR decision. How are you coming to the table collectively to implement the tools and technologies effectively, get them adopted, and your target audience is engaged in them? It really takes a, a collective review. And then I think the last one, which is really important, is around thinking through like marketing and communication. So as we move from discrete, smaller courses into learning experiences, the learning journeys, having a firm grip on how we actually market and communicate and create more of that enablement through a pull-based system rather than push, I think will be an important component. So those those are just some of the key areas, but we have got to commit to creating time and space to upskill mm. our internal L&D teams. Mm -hmm. It's critical. Absolutely, and because there are so many, as we've been talking about, so many big changes already happening and, and more to come. And I think one of them, when we have to talk about this, is just the whole concept of remote learning, distance learning. Now, I mean, this has been in place long before COVID, right? And, and, and certainly a lot of learning is taking place not in the classroom, but on screens, remotely, in the office, and so on. But I think the last couple of years, especially with so many parents seeing their children struggle with doing everything online, right? Yeah. And not just little children, but even, you know, I have two kids in college. They started college. Everything was online, and it was really hard. It, it was even really bad, I'll say. So I think we, we have to think about that differently, too. We're not going to go back to only in-person learning, obviously, right? A lot of remorning. Learning still going to be remote, maybe even more than ever, but I think we've learned that there are a lot of pitfalls to that, that if you don't do it in the right way, if you're not careful, it can be a really bad experience. So how do we need to be thinking differently about the whole concept of remote distance learning? 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's a really good and 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 like I said, that whole survive versus thrive. I think we've shown that we can communicate it, but it's not the way that really takes you know to thrive and grow and make connections. And I think it gets back into having really good designs in the classroom that bring equity for remote participants as well as face-to-face because we're probably going to see more classrooms where you will have some people that are co-located physically in the same space and then they will have counterparts that are virtual to participate so how do you actually design a learning experience that brings them together to be able to do that well so there's not just a disadvantaged experience for one or the other so i think you really have to think about in you know and it's more than just conveyance of content or concepts that's that's not it it's it's the the intangibles which need to actually become more tangible the things around how do i make connections the building of team and report when you think about setting a mindset that's about me being able to have a conversation and think about how i'm reacting to a new introduction of a, of a thought or a perspective and hearing others with it i have an exchange of ideas real time and you start to have some of that you know cognitive pain between them i'm getting a new perspective or i'm thinking differently I have to build trust and connection with others to be able to do that. You can't just automatically pick up a new mindset by yourself. That's not going to happen. And so that's why you have to be able to work extra hard, I think, to be able to build virtual connections when you don't have the normal opportunity to sit next to somebody. Mm-hmm. But there are very good reasons to bring us together. So I think when we think about it, our, our most precious commodity should be same place, same location opportunities where we bring people together for intentionality. But realistically, that's going to be such a precious commodity that'll have to be reserved. So we use that very well. I mean, historically, you look back at time, we used to bring people in for, you know, one, two, three weeks of just kind of just pouring content at them. It was a waste of that precious time, FaceTime to each other just to present concepts and content. Now, I will also tell you that the other side of this is setting new expectations for the learners. The learners need to find a way to kind of bring an element of engagement and relevance for themselves to the table. You need to think about how you're a critical learner. You now need to think about, I need this content, so how do I construct and deconstruct my understanding? Don't always wait for the facilitator on the other side to spoon feed it to you or wait for this rousing sense of community to draw me into it. I need to become more disciplined as a learner to be able to so that when we do have the face-to-face or those live opportunities, we're getting the most out of them. So it is a balance. Change the way we do the design and and also at the same time reset the expectations of our participants to say you will you must find a way to bring some engagement yourself you have to bring yourself you have to engage you have to be part of this can't be multitasking you can't be doing eight things because i don't really eh, it didn't really connect in leaving it all on somebody else if it's worth your time and energy to sit in the experience then you need to find a way to make it connect for you yeah but uh, yeah, so I think it's, it's around that equity for the remote as well as the face-to-face, but also recasting that the learner accountability, what you're bringing to the table. So, mm-hmm. Well, I think we can conclude that this is certainly an interesting time <laughs> in the world of L&D. A lot of moving parts and pieces, oh, yeah. a lot going on. Yeah, no, it's, I'm excited. I think we actually are, are, I think, going to be at an opportunity to really grow and think differently. We just need to rise to the challenges in industry to really be able to do that. So thinking about how we actually really go from something that we manage and control to actually being a competitive advantage, I think that's the way we should, we have the opportunity, let's let's step in and fulfill the promise. Absolutely. Well, Matt, 
thank you as always for a stimulating discussion. Appreciate it. That's good to be good to see you again. So glad good to see you. Connect. Thanks. The Performance Matters Podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts and listen on our website at gpstrategies.com slash podcasts.